These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, Note the words, having not the Spirit. Having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, putting them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, your presence in this house makes the feast for us this morning. Your faithfulness, even as we have been singing, reaches to the heavens. Lord, your faithfulness reaches from the heavens to this earth. And we thank you, Lord, that this morning you're faithful to us again as always. You come and you minister to our hearts. Lord, you have said that the weak, they may say, I am strong. The poor can say they are rich. And so, Lord, this morning, help us to understand your ways and help us, Lord, to keep thy word. For thy word, Lord, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Father, may your word find a lodging place a place, Lord, where it can grow and develop it and develop your people for the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, this morning. We tell you that from the depths of our hearts and we pray even as you've asked, even as you desired for us to return our love to you and to give all of our hearts in admiration and in service, that we would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, for he and he alone is worthy of all that praise. In his name we come, and in his name we ask it. Giving you thanks, Father, for everything. Amen. 
We've done a few weeks on this, but we did break it up, as I said, for a couple of weeks. Give you a little tiny synopsis, because I want to move on completely to another part of this. In fact, I want to move on to where verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And we've looked at how things that are we've entitled as having or having not the Spirit. Having or having not the Spirit. Of course, we took that, I told you to underline it, and we took that from our reading. And verse 19 says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. There are those who had come into the early church, as I said, and they were murmurers, they were complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. And here Jude sets out through the anointing of the Spirit that there were those who didn't have the Spirit, who were sensual. They, they separated themselves off looking uh, for tantalizing and titillating stuff to play the flesh with. They were modernists, if you want, in today's language, where Jesus didn't walk in water. Oh, oh, old Super once said, Bishop Super, uh, he says, I didn't walk in water. Uh, he, he only paddled in the shallows. And this is meant to be an evangelical minister. You know, and there are those even today in Protestantism who are now denying the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they explain things away because it helps fit into society. It helps become acceptable to the outside world. But brothers and sisters, while we live in the world, we are not to be like the world. We are to be different. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, he will make you different. In fact, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you can't expect anything else but to be different. When I got saved out of the world, the Lord made me different. Different will, different wants, different desires, different thinking, different goals. It was all to do with Christ and his glorious kingdom. And the signs of the fruit of the Spirit are also spiritual, and the spiritual also drive you to the not natural and into the natural world to be able to change your life and mine. These men were come in and they were not having, having not the spirit, I should say, and having not the spirit, there was no sign of the fruit of the spirit. There was no sign of a change of life. They could cross T's and dot I's, but there was no power of the Spirit. And all they said, and all they taught, and all they did, there's no anointing of the Spirit, there's no sign of the Spirit, because it says, having not the Spirit. Now notice this, they were murmurers, they went into a frame of mind and they wouldn't come out of it. In other words, we need to be careful in our own lives, brothers and sisters, because this, not that the Spirit leaves a born-again, a true believer in Christ, but what can happen is you come into a realm where the felt, tangible, anointed presence of God may may not be felt, tangible, and anointed presence of God anymore because 
of a state of mind. That's where repentance means change your mind. Don't stay in a state of mind. State of mind where maybe God is finished with me and God is not doing enough for me or God isn't answering prayers the way I think or, or maybe it's a state of mind of whom has said what or did what or where you've been or haven't. Listen, we need to move out of the state of mind and into what the word of God says that we may walk according to what God says about us and what we should do in him and whom we should be in him. So I don't want to go through it, but they were murmurs, means they entered into a state and they wouldn't come out. Like Israel murmured in the wilderness, meant they were continually murmuring. Continually. And anyone in their life who continually murmurs about things, then you must question, have they at all got the Spirit of God living in them? Because that's not of the Spirit. Now, we went through these, and I don't want to go through them all again, but this is where we want to kick off from. Not only verse 19 saying, having not the Spirit. Verse 20 changes completely. And he focuses on you and I who love the Lord Jesus Christ. He focuses on those who have come to know him through saving faith, an effectual calling, and who have grown into a relationship with Christ. Now, here's a question we must ask ourselves. One, how's your love life? My pastor used to ask that all the time. How's your love life? And he used to always say, and I'm not talking about who are you going out with or how's your your love life with your, your wife or your husband. He says, how's your love life with Jesus? How's your love life? Check the heart Because loving Christ is off the Spirit. Loving Him is a sign of a man and a woman having the Spirit of God. How is your love life? Grow to love Him. And in fact, if you have the Spirit, you can't help but love Him. You'll love the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, it turns around to those who love Him. Because they realize he loved them first. Verse 20, it spins, it says, But ye, that is you and I, brothers and sisters, but ye, beloved. Notice, but ye, the word here, beloved, means divinely loved ones. Or those who call the divine love out of the Father's heart. You and I call the divine love, the agape love, out of our Father's heart. You don't have to do cartwheels and somersaults and you don't have to do X, Y, Z to earn this love. It is a love that is freely given by God just because he has decided to fix his love upon you. There's nothing you can do, brother, nothing you can do, sister, to make your Savior, to make your God love you any more than he does right now. He's not expecting you to to do something spectacular and he'll say, I can love you more. The degree of God's love, the quality of God's love never changes. You and I are fickle. You and I will love someone when they do things for us and love them less when they don't. But the love of God is greater far 
than tongue or pen can ever tell. And it goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell, said the hymn writer. And it's really true because, brothers and sisters, if you and I can really grasp the love that God has for, for those whom he has called, for his redeemed saints, you'll realize you're walking before him in love. This morning as you're listening, you're sitting before him in love. When you're driving home, you're driving before him in love. When you go to bed, you're sleeping before him in love. There's not a time, there's not a place on the calendar, there's not a second on your watch, there's not a day goes past, nor a week, nor a month, there's not a moment, an eclipse of time, when he does not love you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And we tend to measure the love of God with the love we have. And really we fall far short, so we think that he falls short also. But his love is an eternal love. And he loves those whom Christ has died for. He loves those whom Christ has shed his precious blood for. Now ask yourself as you're sitting here, ask yourself as you're listening, do I belong to Christ? Did Christ shed his blood for me? Am I in Christ? If the answer is yes, 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 then you are loved. You are loved. You must realize that, accept that, Believe that. It's not how you think. It's not how you feel. It's nothing to do with you. It's the freeness of the love of God. Notice what he says in verse 20. He says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Here's two things I want you to look at. One is, do you pray? Christian, listen. Do you pray? I'm going to ask you again. And you answer in your heart, for God knows your heart and you know your own heart. Do you pray? And here's another part. Do you pray according to the leading and according to the building up of the Holy Ghost? If you pray and you're in Christ, you have the Spirit. There are those having not the Spirit. Here is having the Spirit. Pray. Notice this also what he says then. Still speaking to the beloved, the divinely loved ones. Verse 21 says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now, Holy Ghost praying. Praying in the Holy Ghost brings holy faith. Men have faith every day. We have faith that when we get on a bus, it's going to take us to our destination. You have faith in a driver, he won't crash, and sometimes they'll let us down. And that's just a, a normal type of a faith. That's a faith that every person has to some degree or another. But this faith is different. This is called Holy Ghost faith. This faith is imputed faith. This faith comes from heaven to the heart of men and women. This faith is faith of Christ given to you to believe in him. This is the faith that the Holy Ghost has generated in your life that for the day and the hour when you get down on your knees or when you were standing or when you were lying in your bed or wherever you were when you called on the name of the Lord and you got saved, 
Faith was given to you by God. And it's a holy faith. Uh, the word holy here for, uh, uh, for holy faith or holy ghost is, is hagios. That means to be separated, to be set apart for the use of God or for God's use. It's not a manufactured faith by ourselves. It is something we've received and we rest our faith not on uncertain opinions or on fantasies of our own or other men's thoughts and ideas, but our faith rests on the revelation which came from Christ to his church. Holy or hagios means most holy thing or holy one. And 61 times the word saint or saints is used in the New Testament. And it speaks 61 times of the word hagios. It's the same one. It means those who have been set apart by God for his use. Okay, Christian, now let's think about this. Give me your attention again for another moment. Think about this, brother, sister. Listen, beloved of God. Having the Spirit. The Spirit operating in the life will show a separated life for Christ. I'm not talking about you walking with a frown in your face and whipping yourself, wearing a hurry shirt and camel clothes and, and having a girdle around your waist and... You know, I'm not talking about all that. This isn't what I mean. This means having a life that is separated by the Spirit. In other words, you are a vessel. You are something that the Holy Ghost has stepped into, and He is walking in you. And so you're walking it out. Separated, different from everyone else. For the word, for a holy place of worship means you can tell a church building because it looks different than other buildings. Well, that's a church, and that's a shop, and that's a garage or filling station or whatever. But that's a church. That's different. That is the building I'm speaking of. So the holiness of God in a life separates a man and a woman. 61 times it's used. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 27, please. Romans chapter 8, please, verse 27. The Apostle Paul here he writes Romans 8 and it starts with that there's no condemnation in Christ and then finishes it in chapter 8 with there's no separation. Now notice what he says here. Let your eye run down as I said to verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Spirit here is capital S, Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit in the beloved is the one who gives the mind of Christ because he maketh intercession for the saints. It's the hagios. It's the holy ones. He maketh intercession for the separated ones, those who are set apart by God for the use of God. And so God works in them through his Spirit. And that is you and I this morning. According, and those of you who have been uh, to our Bible studies on a Tuesday night, and can I say, our Bible studies have been doing tremendous. Uh, the, the The attendance has been wonderful, absolutely fantastic. 
And those who have looked at this will see the word according. And I've brought this now for weeks on this word and others. The word according is the word kata, meaning dominance. In other words, making intercession, having the mind of Christ to those who are set apart, who are sanctified by the Spirit, according to the the dominance of the will of God. In other words, you'll find that the dominance of the Spirit in your life leads you to the mind of Christ and also leads you into the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know what the will of God is for ministry? You want to know what the will of God is for where you want to have to go or what you have to do or where you have to go? You want to know what the will of God is? Then get into that place where you're seeking the face of God and where the Spirit who is in you, where He starts giving you the mind of Christ on things. And when He gives you the mind of Christ, when you have the mind of Christ, you have the mind and the will of God. You have the mind and the will of God. Notice what verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, let me just stop here for a moment. When God calls us and fills us with his Spirit, when the Holy Ghost comes and he enters into us and he lives in us and he abides in us and he dwells in us, so when God comes and saves us and calls us to Christ, and this happens to us, this wonderful transformation takes place, there should be a change in the life. There should be a love for Jesus, the Son of God. There should be something different. The things we used to love and the things we used to do no longer become the things we love and no longer are the things we do because we love him. His will is dominant in our lives. His mind, his holiness becomes a desire of our thinking. A holy, separated life unto him. You're no longer the same. You're always different. That course, it's a quite an old course, and it says, Jesus came along and he touched me, and I will never be the same. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came along and touches you. You can never be the same. You're never the same again. Listen to uh, an old Puritan. He's speaking on when God comes and fills a a, a human being at their conversion. Does he just leave them and say, now off you go and get on, do the best yourself? Is that all there is from when we come and we say, I want to get saved? Now listen, there are new converts and it's a growing up. We're all growing up, so don't panic. We're all growing up. But we're looking for maturity in our own lives. We're looking for maturity in the things of God. We're looking for maturity for the love of the Word. We're looking for maturity and faithfulness to the things of God. We're looking for fruit of the Spirit. We're looking for love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, or self-control. We're looking for that, for that is our aim of the fruit of the Spirit. Look, says Pentecostals, and I'm, I'm unashamedly a Pentecostal, and you know that. Unashamedly, and I, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny it to anyone. But we're always looking at the gifts of the Spirit. If there's no fruit of the Spirit, then we must put a question of the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're not growing in the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, if there's no fruit on the tree, then it's a dead tree. Maybe it's a sick tree. It needs attended to. Now, I notice this. What does God do? Listen to old Puritan Thomas Watson. If you ever want to read a book, get a book of his, A Body of Divinity. It's a classic. It's absolutely fantastic. But listen to this. It is absurd, absurd to imagine that God should justify a people and not sanctify them. He should justify a people whom he could not glorify. I'll say it again. It is absurd to imagine that God should justify a people and not sanctify them. Or he should justify a people whom he could not glorify. In other words, here are stages in what God is doing in the church. And here are stages what God is doing in our lives as individuals. Here are stages where God does in an assembly together. He causes it to move into phases and to grow and to leave old things behind and new things to come. And God, and God does this for his glory. Now notice what he said there. Go with me to Romans 8. We're still there. And let your eye run down with me, please. To verse 29 now. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now take note of this. To be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Told you before, an old man from the apostolic called Ali called in a prayer meeting. I heard him praying it many times and it stuck with me. He got up to pray and he says, Lord, you love your son that much. You want to make millions more like him. And the father loves his son that much. He wants to make millions more like him. In other words, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now notice what he says here. To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Notice the progression in life here. Notice the progression of the working of the Spirit. And if there's no working of the Spirit, there's no progression. Now, I'd, I'd be totally honest. Some of you have come in here and you've sat under this ministry of worship and word for uh, quite a number of years, and some of you have done great. Some of you have came on in stages, and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, this is great. But there's always more development. I'm being developed. You're being developed. There's always more in him. And God wants to make us 
like the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense that he wants us to grow up into him, that you would be just like his beloved. Now notice what he says here. Paul says in verse 31, notice this. What? Paul jumps at you here. What shall we say then? Say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we quote that all the time. Nothing wrong with that. If God be for us, who can be against us? Praise God, there's nothing wrong with that. The word if really means, it's not a question as if, if God is or if God isn't. The actual word in here gives it as, you know he's for you, since God be for you. Brother, sister, you need to realize that since you're in Christ, God is for you. He is not against you. God is within you and he's working in you. The operation of God is happening right now in you. Notice this, since God be for us, who then can be against us? We have to look at, we have the spirit, the mind of Christ. We are determined, we are, uh, we are in the will of God, dominated by his will when we walk in the spirit. We're foreknown, we are predestinated, we are being conformed to the image of his son. And he says then, and those whom he predestinated, and those whom he called. That's you, and that is me. Then we also justified. You know where you are this morning in Christ? You're just as if you had never sinned. And I'm looking at all of you, and all of you, we're sinners. Everyone. And you're all looking at me, and you have every one of you has a right to say, and you were probably the worst. And I could quite easily say, I'm the chiefest of sinners, or I was the chiefest. But he knew you. He drew a line in the sand, as it were, around your life. He called you by his love. He placed his spirit in you. He cleansed you in the blood of his son. You're justified and you're being changed to become like him, conformed to the image of his son, having the spirit. My brethren, sisters, take this in. Don't let your attention span go. Take it in. When you leave here today, you take this in and know this. You are deeply loved. in spite of what you think, in spite of happenings and surroundings, situations in your life, you're deeply loved. See the word glorified here, him, he also glorified, it's the word doxazo, it means to make glorious, to impart glory. It means to adorn with luster, to clothe with splendor. Do you see when Christ returns? And I suppose I mention the Lord returning almost every week. And the reason I do that is because I believe he is. I believe he is. 
And I know there's going to be a great glorification of the saints, the Hagios, the Ecclesia, the called out saints of God. There's going to be a great glorification when your body will be changed. In a moment and in the twinkling of an eye. And your loved ones in Christ who have gone on to be with him will rise from the grave. And you'll be changed after that and I'll be changed. And we'll be glorified together and there'll be no more sickness and there'll be no more death and there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more sorrow and there'll be no more hurt. This is where God's bringing you. This is where God's bringing you. This is where God's bringing me. This is his great plan and purpose. This is his wonderful, marvelous, mighty love for you. I want to say something that don't mean to offend because again, I'm the chiefest. Not one of you is worth it in the sense you deserved it. Not one of us. He came in free grace. He stooped with great love. He hung on a cross and he bled and he died. He bore away our sin and shame. And he filled us with his spirit. And he calls you my beloved. We read in Romans chapter 8, what shall we say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? Can you see how much he's for you this morning? Oh, I've let him down. Join the club. Can you see how much he is for you, even when you think at times, Lord, are you really? He's always for you. In fact, he's not only for you, he chases all your enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overfloweth. That is the the experience of every one of us who know him as our Savior, who know him and have grown to love him. Listen, folks, if we're looking for church to be something where we come in and it's ritual and format, and you can have church in name, but it's not church in spirit. The early church were men and women who were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In fact, they were so full of joy of the Spirit, they thought they were stone drunk. And they went about preaching the kingdom. And signs followed the word that they preached. So, I'm going to round this up. I'm doing one more week on this. When we go into Romans 8, verse 33, let's just go down for time's sake. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. 
You have a past. I have a past. And there's not one can dig up your past. Not one. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Dare one stand up this morning and say, this is who you were. It is God that justifieth. In other words, it is God who justifies his beloved. And he's leading you to be conformed to the image of his son. And life changes. Your desires change. And you're going to be glorified. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me as I round this up a moment. Listen to Puritan Simeon I. She says, For every sanctified man, being a self-denying and God and a God advancing man, his God is his center. For every sanctified man, being a self-denying and a God advancing man, his God is his center. To advance the kingdom of God is for you and I to take it to others out there. And when God is our center, we want to see that advancement happening. Spirit spoke this morning and says, give me your heart. And give me your time. I'm putting my hand up as high as I can. I can be guilty of this. I can be guilty where I might spend hours and hours studying, but I'm talking about devotional time. Where it's just, I'm not praying for you, and I'm not praying for me, I'm not praying for sick, I'm not reading for a message for Sunday morning or Sunday night or for Tuesday evening, where I'm just saying, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to let you know that I love you. I just want to hear your voice. I want to get close to you. Don't you mean you want God to get close to you? No, because God is close to me. And he's close to you. It's we are the ones who drift. We're the ones who give our time to other things and the other places. So when we get to verse 21 of our reading, verse 21 of our reading, I want to say this and we'll wrap it up and we'll do one more. I was hoping to get here this morning, but obviously not. Verse 21 of the little epistle of Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, Say to keep yourself in the love of God. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? What does he mean? I'm not going to go into it all this morning because it's too too big a, a topic just on that one line. But one, keep yourself in remembrance that you're loved. 
Keep yourself in remembrance that he loves you. No matter the thoughts, no matter the things that come to your mind, if you're a believer, a born-again, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled Christian, you will remember this, that he loves you, and you will understand what I mean, that it will come to you, and you'll realize, Lord, I thank you for the freeness of your love. If you've grown up religious and stayed that way, if you've grown up in a denomination looking for a salvation and stayed that way, you'll not understand what I mean. An encounter, an experience of you with Christ. And having just you and him in a place where you've said, Lord, here I am. Save me. True turning to him, bowing the knee. You'll know when it happens. That's where salvation comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So keeping yourself in the love of God means more than just remember you're loved. This is a covenant of love. It is a covenant of love between you and Christ. Next week we'll look at it in the Lord's will. And this covenant, I want to show you something. I want to tell you exactly what it means. That you have a personal responsibility to keep the fire lit in your heart. See the altar in the tabernacle? Jim's doing his studies and he could tell you. See what's got to lit the fire? The priest had to keep it lit. Isn't that right, Jim? The priest had to keep it lit. In other words, once God lights it, keep it lit. Listen, brother, if you're saying to your wife, of course I love you, and you don't show her that you love her, She's going to wonder, do you really? And a covenant of marriage and love is two-way. You show her and she'll show you in return. And the idea is that you and I will show him in return our love for him. The idea is that our love for him will surpass our own wills and desires and all that we think we are or want to be. Our love for him will cause us to forget all things and to love, listen, we'll look at it next week, love one another. God bless us this morning.